This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. So here we are, season three of Driven by Data, the podcast. I'm delighted that you've decided to tune in and rejoin us. We've got some absolutely fantastic content coming your way. So all that's left to say is sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. In order for your organization to make the best possible business decisions and to make the most of your data, you need the very best people. And that's where Orbition Group comes in. We have a proven track record in partnering with some of the largest brands in the world to the most innovative and disruptive startups and everything in between. We go beyond traditional recruitment services. The organizations which we partner with benefit from the added extras that we offer, such as raising your organization's brand awareness to the data and analytics community, providing you with insights into the current market and your competition, benchmarking you against the industry to give you the best chance to successfully attract the best talent. We want to become an extension of your business to identify, engage, attract and retain the best talent possible. If this sounds of interest, please reach out today by visiting orbitiongroup.com. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season three. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Mathieu Lacoma, who is the Chief Performance and Analytics Officer of Parma Calcio Football Club. So, Mathieu, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's a real pleasure to be here today. Now, the pleasure is is all mine, obviously, as a huge football fan and player um, all my life. Um, it's it's about time that we had this type of conversation around data mm-hmm. and football, right? So it's, uh, yeah, excellent. So where we always start is by asking our guests to give themselves a brief introduction into their background and, yeah. I guess, journey up until this point, if uh, if you'd be so kind. Yeah, um, I think as I, I start, as uh, most of the people in working now in scientific role in, in football as a, as a kind of failed footballer or failed sporting guy, trying to make my road to professional football, but then because of quality of injuries, I uh, didn't make it. So then quickly I, I turned into a um, study. I've done some sports science study, then moved to Paris to do my uh, my PhD in uh, applied physiology, sports science, trainings, and so on. So, uh, I then spent six years uh, working for the French national team in different roles, mainly sports science uh, research and training. Uh, but this is where my journey into data start, I would say. Um, after six years, I had the opportunity to join Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, went there, again, sports science, and then uh, expand a bit into role like uh, head of research and development and to end up with research and innovation. And uh, something like two years ago now, uh, I got a call from 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 Parma uh, to join uh, to join them as a chief performance analytics officer. And uh, this is when I say yes and uh, jump on the flight from uh, from Paris to Parma. How, what what are the differences between Paris and and Parma? 
out of weather? interest. <laughs> yeah. Weather and food. <laughs> weather and food, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Fair enough. Well, look, um, this this stuff fascinates me, so I, I'm really looking forward to, to kind of getting into this. Now, obviously, we the listenership on this podcast, Matteo, is, um, you know, we've got... 20 odd thousand listeners in 130 countries so uh, there'll be plenty of sporting and, and football and soccer for our american friends uh, fans out there but um some people that might not know what we're talking about when we're you know name dropping psg and palmer etc so just uh, just give the audience a brief overview of you know palmer as a as an organization yeah, so Palma Culture, for the ones that uh, are not aware of, uh, is a very like historical club in uh, in Italy. Uh, they have been uh, European champions uh, a couple of times, and uh, they were in the '90s like um, legendary players, such as Crespo, Turan, and of course uh, Gigi Buffon start start here. Um, then uh, they faced bankruptcy, uh, so they've been relegated into the fourth division and re-established themselves uh, year by year from uh, fourth division back uh, back in Serie A. And uh, it's now one, let's say, we are the first-tier clubs in Italy, but uh, part of the second-tier club is one of the most recognized clubs in Italy, mainly because of... Um, their huge history uh, in the European competition. And uh, three years ago now, uh, the club has been acquired by uh, uh, American uh, property mm. uh, um, from, from, from Iowa. Uh, and their, their, their intention is to restructure uh, everything uh, to bring back Parma to, uh, to be like uh, European competitors uh, in the coming years. Nice, nice. Thanks for yeah. thanks for the the history. So, um, in terms of your role and responsibility, obviously chief yeah. performance and, and analytics officer. Uh, just give us a kind of brief overview of you know yeah. what that entails, what what you're there to to achieve, basically. Um, going back a bit to the uh, to the history, but they, when the the American property acquired the club uh, after one season, they they made a big uh, audit of uh, of the club. Uh, and this is when uh, I joined the club. So after this audit, uh, they found out that uh, one, let's say, key position was missing in the club was a chief performance analytics officer. So they bring me in uh, for many different things. Um, one uh, was to, I'm going to say rebuild, but uh, build. <laughs> Uh, the strategy and operations around what we call performance and analytics. Uh, so performance for the ones that uh, uh, don't know is uh, what internally we call human performance. So it encompasses poor science, strength and conditioning, nutrition and psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had the, the task to rebuild everything from uh, people that are processes, making sure that we have like a, a multidisciplinary team that is uh, working on the day-to-day to support uh, the players on the field. Then we have another unit that is game analysis. Uh, so it's all the all the people that are recording, analyzing, uh, and processing all the information on the game. 
with the idea of understanding our own performance, understanding the opponents, and supporting the coaching staff in building the tactical plans. And the third uh, unit I have is uh, the pure data and analytics um, unit uh, that we used to see as a competence center in Parma that come and support all the different uh, strats uh, of the club. So game analysis is one, the performance is another one. We have the scouting, uh, the, the board as well for some strategic uh, uh, questions. Um, so yeah, strategy, operation, and uh, of course, uh, execution as well. Yeah. Nice. No, that makes uh, that makes perfect sense. And, and I guess under the the kind of strategic pillar where you mentioned the board, does that is your role responsible for the kind of commercial side of Palmer as a entity, or, or not really? No. So no, my my role is uh, because we we had a lot of uh, things to do on the sporting side. So we yeah. want to uh, we want my role to be very focused on the sporting side. Now for for some operation uh, mainly on um, we we can talk about that later but uh, data architecture engineering uh, a bit of dashboarding creation we are supporting the corporate side right. uh, because right now they are a bit lagging on on this part okay. um, so yeah supporting them here not doing the analysis day to day ticketing and so on yeah this is their, their capacity. Makes perfect sense. Okay, fine. And obviously, I want to give you a shout out for your book, Football Intelligence, that you co-authored with Eva Murray, who we've also had on the uh, on the podcast. Um, always fascinates me when people write books. What what led you to to do that? Yeah. So the, the, it's it's a, this book is a fun story because uh, uh, I think at that time I was uh, uh, <laughs> reading a book called. Uh, learn to say no. I think the title mm-hmm. is something like that. Uh, and Eva reached out to me and said, Hey, I was speaking with um, one university, can't remember where, and uh, they were telling me that there is no textbook on football analytics. So, would you want to write something with me? And uh, at that time, so I wanted to say no, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I I said, okay, uh, I say yes. If uh, another friend called Suds were back in the time was working in Benfica, now is, uh, is working at Atalanta as a data science manager. Uh, so if that guy say yes, let's, let's do it. Uh, to be honest, hoping that he was going to say no, <laughs> but the guy, <laughs> the guy say yes. And uh, it starts as, um, the idea of a real textbook, pretty like dense uh, uh, project, but we quickly figure out that uh, the, the 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 main issue in the uh, in, in in football in in general are the more uh, high level question: uh, How do you create your data strategy? How do you execute your plan? Uh, what are the key technology you should have? Uh, how do you manage change management? Uh, or do you retain talent? Uh, and so we end up doing interview uh, and yeah, create these books that is for all, a bit more all data leaders, uh, where the story is, what is your football strategy? Uh, or do you create your data strategy execution uh, measurement, of course, uh, that you're on the right track? And then technology, people, and uh, communication. Mm. So yeah, it's not big, but 
we see this as like uh, you are going in the plan. It's a book you want to have to review on a regular basis. So. Yeah, hundred percent makes sense. And what we'll do when obviously the podcast episode goes live, we'll put the link to the book in the in the show notes so people can can uh, check check that out for sure. So obviously really insightful there that you started to talk about just like in any other organization i guess you've got to start with what is the strategy of whether it's the business or it's the team or whatever the case right. may be right and, and work backwards um i guess having only ever worked in sport from a data and analytics perspective um and through the journey of writing your book and co-authoring it with other people that have you know varied experience I guess, were there any key differences for you that kind of were highlighted in terms of, you know, using data analytics specifically in sport versus what, you know, business people might use data analytics for? So I I would say I think the mindset is uh, the same, uh, at least should be the same. Um, The thing is uh, when you are working with football sports people in general, you need to acknowledge that uh, first, uh, they have not been educated to data. Um, they are surrounded by data, but they, they don't have a background in analytics. They, did, they don't have like a MBA or something like that. Uh, they build themselves through the, like uh, as a player, as a scout, as a coach, uh, but they are not used to that. So there is a, a lot, a lot of change management. At the same time, uh, because the industry is like that, most of these people have like short-term contract, huge pressure. So when you are like, hey, let's let's try and let's do an MVP for the next six months. Uh, in six months, they can be sacked and fired. So kind of pressure uh, is, uh, is, is different and you need to acknowledge that uh, as well. Um, and again, I think... So the, the same thing is like uh, on the corporate side, you have a, like, I would say, quarterly review, year-long plan, four-year strategic plan. Why for us in football, sometimes it's like we play every three days. Uh, in one month, you can go from uh, top of the league to uh, like uh, mid-table uh, if you mm-hmm. start losing. Uh, so people are expecting you to deliver super, super fast. Uh, so interacting with, um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I see myself interacting sometimes with true IT people and say, okay, let's, let's plan this meeting in two months. And then we have like a review of uh, the use case. And then in uh, one month, we come back to you with a, with a plan. And then, uh, in uh, six months, we're going to deliver as a, as a project. We are interacting with people that have absolutely no knowledge of that and things that everything can be made in one day. Uh, so the speed of delivery is key for us. Yeah, it's interesting because you know in the corporate world, and I'm sure on the corporate side of Palmer Football Club yeah. as as the business entity, right? We we often talk about this notion of of quick wins, right? To yeah. kind of yeah. get buy in and and things like that. But um, yeah, it's an interesting concept because, as you very rightly say, in in sports, the feedback loop is so short in comparison right um and yeah that's yeah yeah, really and if i can jump on that because it's 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 very interesting is and we see uh, we can see many clubs looking at these quick wins uh but just focusing on the quick wins 
but if you go like from quick wins to quick wins without building your strategic assets, and I'm thinking about uh, your data infrastructure, your data governance, your data strategies that are like real long term, you end up when you want to scale or you want to tackle a bigger project, you end up being stuck because you don't have the infrastructure. And then you can't move any, anymore. And we have many clubs that are a bit stuck in these, like, okay, I don't have time for automation. I don't, I don't have time to build a robust infrastructure because I need to go from these quick wins. But at the end, they end up in like running small lines of code on a day-to-day -day mm -hmm. basis and just running the business is so time consuming that they have uh, no more time to build uh, more relevant projects. Yeah. So it's, you need to have a good balance between uh, getting these, these quick wins while at the same time ensuring that we have enough bandwidth dedicated to building what's, what is important and what matters for the organization. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. And I guess as that kind of, mindset and way of thinking being implemented at Palmer as a yeah. footballing entity based on obviously the acquisition from America yeah. and obviously them bringing you in right because I guess yeah. the, the benefit um, in hindsight is always that when you've got a blank sheet and a clean yeah. slate like you have yeah. right it's kind of easy to or easier should we say to think about okay we need to be building towards our strategic goals but kind of yeah. segment it into little yeah. bite-sized chunks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we used to have like a, our internal joke is uh, we, we used to tell people that we want to uh, make uh, automation as part of our core value because we are too lazy to just run the process on a day-to-day -day <laughs> basis. Uh, but this is clearly the mindset we, we have. Yes, we have all these quick wins, uh, but at the same time, we need to make sure that we want to build something that is scalable, meaning that, okay, today I'm running for the first team. And was first year, we were just focusing on the first team. But then our ownership group asked us to do exactly the same thing for six other teams, women teams, all the youth. And because we spend enough time to make our processes scalable, mm -hmm. for us, it was pretty easy. Just put more data in and uh, you will get more out. But, uh, we will not be stuck in this. So making sure everything is scalable. We try to make as much as we can uh, things transparent and documented uh, because I used to say that it's a long-term project and uh, uh, an asset we want to build for the club, not for me. Uh, so by the, I don't know, life is short. So I don't know if I will uh, do 10 years in Parma, but the day I'm leaving, I don't want Parma to be stuck. Uh, I want them to be able to restart the journey where I left. So everything is documented, pretty easy for them to, to go in. So these are the main two pillars of our you know, strategy and, and, and values, I would say. Yeah, yeah, nice, very good. I guess just to give some context to um, people that aren't as familiar with football or, or sports, kind of what yeah. do you find are the kind of key use cases where you're typically using data on a day-to-day -day basis from a team performance and game analysis yeah. perspective? Uh, so I will go from the day-to-day to, -day to uh, um, daily, daily. Uh, we have a, um, a lot of processes around what we call load monitoring and load management. So every day the players are on the pitch. We are monitoring how much they run, how much they recover, uh, how fit they are. 
And all of that helps us to make decisions in terms of do we need to trade more? Do we need to recover? Who is fit for the next game? Uh, so this is kind of heavy in terms of uh, process. At the same time and same frequency, um, we have a lot going on on game analysis. So the idea is from a game, we are collecting, so today is like 3,000 events per game. Uh, so shots, crosses, passes, tackles, whatever is happening on the pitch, we have all this information. Plus now we are adding uh, what we call tracking information. So every runs on the pitch by the 22 players that are on the pitch, we have information about that. This allows us to understand uh, if I'm good technically, if I've done the if the tactical plan the way it was uh, planned to do. So understanding how we play, and at the same time we are doing more or less the same analysis on the opponents to try to understand where are their strengths, where are their weaknesses, so we can build a tactical plan. Hmm. So these are the two main on a day to day. Then the third. Big use case is uh, on recruitment and what we call scouting. We have access to data on oh, something like 30,000 player ish. Uh, so, and we have like uh, injury history, uh, we have like a past performance, uh, we have uh, contract information, we have many things like that. And the idea is to uh, understand what is the status of our team, uh, where do we have gaps, uh, and then you will split the process in uh, traditional scouting. So we have uh, 20% that are going watch games, uh, get some uh, intelligence around the players, and brings brings this in back in Parma. And at the same time, we look through uh, like more data perspective. Uh, who are the players that could fit the way we play? Who are undervalued? Uh, undervalued, and, and then we we cross over to make decision on who is the potential best fit for for Parma. And then we have many other topics such as like a more strategic decision on the, how do we want to build the roster? Uh, or do we uh, or do we want structure some uh, some operations? Uh, we have. A, Talent pathway in the academy, so we have players from uh, under nine going to to pro. So how can we optimize uh, the talent pathway to make sure that uh, the investment we have on youth players uh, brings the most in terms of investment, like return of on investments, and uh, uh, we have these players uh, playing for the first uh, first team in a couple of years. Nice. Yeah. I guess, obviously, we often talk in the corporate world about, you know, the idea of of kind of winning hearts and minds and change management and transformation. And I guess, obviously, you know, there's uh, many use cases out there, you know, the, the film and book Moneyball, yeah. right, was the, a big thing for sports in terms of how that was applied. Is that something that you see becoming part of the game more and more, not just in terms of the appreciation that it should be part of the game, but actually it being adopted and implemented in terms of, you know, using data for things like recruitment strategies and it becoming a more prominent feature? Uh, so I would say yes. Uh, so it's it's kind of a long journey in a very uh, old industry. Huh? Uh, football is uh, 150 years old now, something so change is uh, is long but uh, 
I was uh, early earlier this week. I was in London for the Octa Pro Forum, and you can see the industry growing and growing. Uh, they have now to change the, the location because there is more and more people in the industry, mm-hmm. and the club are more and more staffed. Uh, so it's becoming, I would say, the norm. Uh, but uh, what I can feel, it's still the the, the the start of the journey, and more will come in the in the next ten years, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like in the corporate world around gut feel, right? Decisions are made on gut feel. It's in the scouting world. It's kind of like what you observe, knowing yeah. from experience what players fit and suit. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, you 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 are still in the. I always take the. the the idea of the, the banking industry where you you had the old investors in the like the big banks and then the quants start to arrive mm-hmm. yeah and then you 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 have a first phase where they were sometimes a bit comp- competing each other and now i think that uh, the system understand that uh, you need the best of both worlds to be very performance mm-hmm. uh and i think we will start to become more like uh, the more efficient phase uh for football clubs and like that uh inform football clubs yeah absolutely obviously you've worked you know you've worked for a national setup you've worked for a a a huge club in psg and now a huge club in in italy in 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 parma um have you seen any kind of differences around data maturity between you know the top tiers of different clubs is there you know much difference in your eyes or is uh, is everyone at a similar stage in the journey so no clearly uh clearly not um but then i used to say that uh um with the current set of technology we have uh with the current uh possibilities we have it's not a matter to be a top tier club with all the money that's uh uh is coming through being that top club or not it's more a matter of uh, strategy and culture and where you want to go uh you can start you can start uh, the data infrastructure for 15 15 000 euro uh, a year in the football club and you can have like pretty good stuff for that amount of money so at the same time even the second tier club is buying one or two million euro worth player a year so you can you can go for it. We I consider Parma right now to be like a second tier club. Um, we are not Paris Saint Germain. We are not uh, Manchester City. We are not Liverpool. But because we decide as an organization to invest time, money, and uh, brand power uh, into that, um, I think we are doing as good as some of the best club in uh, in Italy for sure. Mm, yeah. Fine. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, really interesting. I guess um, obviously, again, back to the corporate world, and I apologise for keep bringing it back there. But obviously, yeah. you know, most of our guests have been from banks or you know a Facebook or a Google or whatever the case may be, right? So, um, but very often we we talk around this notion of you start with the business strategy and you build a data strategy yeah. that supports that. Talk us through what that journey looks like in 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 footballing terms around because I guess broadly speaking every football club strategy is to you know win trophies right that <laughs> kind of starts yeah. there but break that down for us how you kind of work backwards from that but <laughs> the, the outcome of winning trophy is the same in the business the business is to win money yeah <laughs> so 
So the the thing is, everything should relate to, uh, as you said, your 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 football strategy, and uh, on that topic, uh, the the McKinsey, the consulting firm, is doing great things on that. Uh, they they were explaining in a, like a recent paper, not not that recent now, um, that there is a very clear trend in how many points you are scoring and the market value of our yeah market value of your team. Hmm. which is normal. Uh, the better the players, the better your team should be. Yeah. And to increase this market value, you have two main uh, possibilities. One is, of course, direct investment, buying better players. The second one is what they call strategic value creation. And I think this is where we have the most to do on the on the data side. Strategic value creation, you have three main things. And we talk about that in the, in, in the book. One is... Um, trading excellence or can I buy cheap players and resell at a higher price and how can I use data to optimize this process the second one is how can I develop players within my club so bringing uh, a good player put a lot of work into developing these players uh, over like a, a cycle of two or three years and increase his value and resell the player so or even not reset it, but there is a market value of the player we increase. And the last one is how can I optimize my uh, youth sector so I can develop internal uh, players that will uh, join the, the first team. And so before developing your data strategy, you need to understand at the club where you want to go and where you want to win. Because that's like all the strategy, you can't win, uh, you can't be the... Benfica use development and uh, Toulouse of recruitment and as well as the Paris Saint-Germain of player development. No way. Or oh, it will cost you a lot, a lot, a lot of money and, and, and resources. So you need to decide at the club where you want to win. And then from that, you will start with building your data strategy. So data strategy for me would be very simple. Huh? Auditing the like as is state or current state. Defining the gaps uh, with the with your with your project or your your like three or five years goal, and then start creating as a list of use cases and do the prioritization. And then for for all the use cases, you will, you will need to define uh, what are the people you need, what are the technologies, what are the data, and eventually what are the processes. And once you have that, you start to have a clear roadmap of where am I today. Why I want to be in three years from now, and uh, you just have to execute this mm. with consistency. <laughs> yeah, so exactly the same as any any other business setting, right? Exactly. Just the, the context is slightly different. Um, yeah. Uh, although I do I do wonder and feel maybe business could take a leaf out of sports book here because obviously you know from a football perspective to win trophies you need to have the best players right so that yeah. a lot of that upfront thing is getting the best building the best team having the best players yeah. and and then the next layer down is the performance of those players how do you improve etc yeah. which is yeah. which is really interesting i noticed earlier that you said data informed um, mm -hmm. and we have a um a habit of in our industry of debating around the terminologies of, of words right and uh, yeah. i understand language is is important but i, I guess yeah. talk me through that for you in the footballing sector, yeah. you know, data-driven versus data-informed. It's yeah. a difference. Should it matter? Yeah. 
it's it's a great uh, great uh, question and it's uh, one topic I'm very uh, I would say tight on it. Uh, the the initial plan and the initial vision of uh, uh, of um, of the property was to have like a data driven strategy. And I used to say that uh, uh, I'm fighting against this because I, I believe more in like data informed, especially in football, uh, because football is a human capital uh, industry. You manage player, you work with coaches, and uh, and there is a, a lot of things that we can't measure. Uh, it's a bit more sometimes tricky than the like sales pipeline. <laughs> yeah. So. For me, data driven means okay. I will run the algorithms, and based on the uh, uh, outcome of the algorithms, I will put this in production, or I will take the decisions. What I want uh, for us, uh, it's more like a data informed strategy. I want to make sure that data is in the middle of all the key strategic conversation that we are supporting decision makings. That do not mean that we are deciding as a as a like a data and analytics uh, unit, but my role is to make sure that in all the key decision, we bring data to support the decision making process. So this is where I say, okay, I want more of data informed things. Whether we need to pick a coach, whether we need to build a team, whether we need to invest money in the youth or in the first team, let's understand what are the question or the decision making process, and let's feed the decision-making process with, with data yep. and then discuss. Sometimes data win, sometimes uh, for diverse uh, reasons, we go in another way for, and sometimes we just don't have like uh, enough data or enough information to, to base our, our yep. decision-making process. Mm. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, interesting. Talk to us about then how for you as a data leader in a football organization, um, how you set up your team, um, and I appreciate you've only ever worked in sport, so this may be hard for you to 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 answer. But uh, in terms of you know skill sets and structures and things like like that, um, just talk us through what that team looks like and you know the different yeah. areas and you know because uh, I imagine it's slightly different to what you would get in a maybe a, a bank as we've you know example we've used. Yeah. So first, uh, <laughs> the team would be way bigger, but uh, yeah. <laughs> we still operate with a, we, we have a like a very small team for now, but um, we, uh, when it was our first uh, hire, uh, we have one person uh, in charge of uh, data architecture and engineering. This was my first key, key person to, to hire, to make sure that the data is flowing in uh we have the data pipeline uh, created and everything is, is is okay now that we have that uh we have one person in charge of uh so a bit of engineering uh but a lot of machine learning uh we have many machine learning projects so we have one person in charge of that uh today uh we have an open position uh for a data visualization specialist mainly using Tableau uh, because we create all of our reporting capabilities are made through uh, Tableau software. Um, so we have one one open position on, on that. Right now, it's I'm the one <laughs> doing it. 
but we have one person. We we, we are looking for someone for for this. Uh, we have uh, part-time external uh, contractor for some front-end development uh, when we need to like uh, create some uh, data collection front-end. Uh, um apps or whatsoever um we have uh, someone part-time for that and then we have a i was i was talking about game analysis and all these uh type of other units we have a lot of analysts uh so sports science oriented analysts uh game analysis uh analysts so many analysts and then the core team of of data is this like three four person i was talking about yeah Nice. I guess within that core team of three or four people, and obviously yeah. I know there's people doing specific parts, whether yeah. it's visualization or architecture yeah. and engineering yeah. or ML, as you as you said. Obviously, one challenge that we've had in the corporate world often is that organizations get really attracted by the new thing, right? The shiny, the AI, yeah. the ML, and, and often yeah. many have not been ready for that type of project yet have jumped into it and you know often they don't know where their data is stored they don't know if they can get access yeah. to all the data yeah. they need etc um talk to me a little bit about the kind of maturity within an, a football organization because you talked about getting ml into production right so yeah. are you is it a spread of type of work on that back end stuff or are you are you kind of more in the ml production space how does that differ do you think so we used to say that in terms of uh, maturity, we are like uh, 10 years behind most <laughs> of the industry, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, we have like uh, our data architect engineers that is leading the team, making sure that uh, all the data sources as well as properly documented. Uh, and uh, then we, uh, we used to work with... Um, on use cases. So if I were uh, one of the case uh, for uh, whatsoever, the machine learning engineer is an expected goal, then we will create the use case. So for the ML specialist, everything is uh, properly set up. So we can just focus on running the machine learning and so on. Um, but the, the, the the fancy versus what we do on a on a day to day basis is it's it's uh, really funny because uh, we always think about uh, I want more AI guy machine learning and all <laughs> this kind of stuff and at the end uh, I will not say that in front of my guys but uh, we do a lot of SQL uh, we do a lot of Python uh, it's a lot of engineering the data rather than doing like a super crazy chat GPD uh, <laughs> type of yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah. This is a core of our, our job today. Yeah, nice, nice. So I'm conscious of, of your time because I know that you've got some uh, data to be analyzing about the uh, upcoming game, I'm sure. But um, last question from, from me then. So yeah. um, we, we touched on it briefly about, you know, data being a change management game yeah. really you know in in terms of the the industry as a whole in particular um and often out of that you get you know buzzwords like data literacy and adoption and they kind of all intertwine yeah. together um i guess what what are you doing internally with the teams that you work with and as an organization to try to help drive that literacy and adoption piece 
this is a golden question and uh, we were talking about that uh, very recently uh because we i would say we we start pretty quickly in building stuff for staff um and my role was to serve as like the conduit between the real football person and the real data guys so i was like uh, preaching uh for the youth and uh because as a team we were very like uh humble and pathetic and so on we managed to bring some people in what we do at the same times uh it was good but it was not enough uh my president used to say it's uh, it's very difficult for me to ask a good question to the data guys if i don't know exactly what the data guys can deliver uh so now we are starting um we have one of the things that is uh, pretty well received is uh, we function with like four week sprints. Uh, so what we what we do is like a sprint newsletter when we explain what are the latest releases, what are the goals for the next uh, sprints, and uh, we try to commit. So it's a way for us to commit externally <laughs> to deliver things, but it's a it's a way as well to explain some of the project we are doing and. Um, uh and start to educate the people so this is one second one and we start like uh um at at, at an organization level uh we call that uh weekly uh meetups where for 15 minutes we explain what is expected goal what is expected street uh what the guys on the pitch are doing in terms of uh load monitoring and everyone is invited from the hr director to the I don't know, team manager to even the finance guys. Uh, so now people start talking about all these expected go, expected streets uh, at the coffee machine and uh, start to be in that future. Uh, and we, uh, we figure out that the more people are talking about it, the more they understand what we are, do what we are doing, the better the questions they ask are. Oh. So we now have the finance guy coming and say, oh, I'm uh we will start the next mercato so can we try to model uh the cost of uh, of a player based on uh, this type of uh, different metrics so we start to have better question that way hmm. um and then uh with our key uh users uh scouting coaching staff we try to run some uh, workshops where we do some kind of co-creations but at the same time we explain a bit the range of possibilities um and this is working pretty well as well so nice. i was and to be honest i'm pretty happy to to say that because i was pretty skeptical about it with my team i was saying okay this guy it's very hard for them to get some time uh on things like that but at the same time what i was explaining to these people is if you want us to provide some relevant insights for you, we need some of your time to understand what are the key questions and uh, we need to work together to improve these questions. So managing to interact with the key stakeholder on a more regular basis, educate them. Uh, we are now in a, like, um, uh, in a journey that is, uh, that has been accelerated over the last, uh, last six months. Yeah absolutely and i think that's the same in every industry right there what you're talking yeah. about is the ability to 
to influence and build relationships and rapport, yeah. right? That's the starting yeah. point of all of this to, to flourish, which makes um, perfect this sense. Is key. This Absolutely. Is key. Yeah. And this Perfect. this is this is sometimes what we uh what we forget and we see um analytics as a plug and play things like oh let's uh, first of January uh, new strategic plan, let's start analytics and uh we bring few data scientists and uh, everything will run smoothly. And we forget that for, for me, uh, uh analytics it's an organizational journey. And uh, you need to bring everyone with you, and this take times. Uh, it's a it's a big but that uh, you need to slightly move in the direction to drift a bit the culture into more like uh, data questions and oh yes, I want more information to make my de- daily decision making and, and so on. So yeah, yeah, absolutely couldn't agree more. Well, look. Um... Yeah absolute pleasure to to have you on the show really appreciate your time um we wish you all the very best this season and obviously next and um yeah i'm looking forward to seeing how uh, your career journey unfolds because it's uh, it's fascinating as a as a huge sport and, and football fan so thank you very much for your time thank you very much it was a pleasure to be here that's it for this episode of driven by data the podcast i hope you enjoyed it i'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics Until then, please follow our Bishon Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these too. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.